You're listening to the Stage and Story podcast, a show about story, culture, and the Christian imagination. I'm your host, Dane Bundy, president of Stage and Story and secondary principal at Providence Academy in Johnson City, Tennessee. So we are reviewing First Man today, and First Man is a look at the life of the astronaut, Neil Armstrong, and the legendary space mission that led him to become the first man to walk on the moon on July 20th. 1969. So, Pastor Brandon, I have literally no idea what you thought about this film. (laughs) Now, I told you what I thought in my text, but I'm really curious to know what you thought. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It's, It's kind of thematically the theme of the story, and the way the story was told was really in my wheelhouse. A lot of showing instead of telling. I love that. In fact, there are very few words in the first five or ten minutes of the film. I was going to say that very thing. I I noted that that's a really powerful way to open up the film. Now, mm-hmm. for for us for our listeners, we are going to be spoiling the the plot, like we have spoiled um, all the other movies we've reviewed. But um, but we'll begin with the beginning, and uh, this is an intense sequence. And do you remember exactly what's taking place? Uh, he's he's in a jet trying to break the atmosphere and return. That's about what I remember. Yeah, well, <laughs> because a, it's a long movie. It's it's a long movie, and that sequence is well. This is the words that I wrote down after I watched it: immersive, mm. terrifying, out of control. So he's in this jet trying to break out of the atmosphere, and everything is rattling and bolts. You would think that bolts were coming loose and it was yeah. like hissing. And one of the things I've noticed about this director, Damien Chazelle, is that sound and music mm. is um, are very important to him. Yes, I did notice the detail, especially the music. Yeah, yeah, great music. So I loved this movie too. And what's interesting is I didn't think I was going to like it because a lot of people – um, whom I respect, said that uh, they didn't like this film and felt like it was very anti-American. And, okay, well, but when I went in, I wanted to ask, instead of, is this film anti-American, I wanted to know, is this film anti-Christian? And so I went in with the lens of looking at the, the kind of the spiritual worldview behind it. And so that could be up for, for discussion a little bit later, whether we felt like this film was anti-American. But going in with that lens of what is the faith commitment, if any, or what, what human themes are being portrayed in this film, that's kind of what I was focused on. Yeah. Yeah, those are good questions. And I'm excited to dive into those with you. <laughs> okay. So let's go ahead and begin. Here's my first question. And I'm curious what, what you think. So Neil is a – he's both a simple and complex character, if you can have both. <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in one sense, he's, he is very dedicated to his work and he's dedicated to um, kind of like a simplistic focus on the mission at hand. And yet there's a lot going on in his life during this time, which I had no idea – when Neither I heard I, about this, yeah. when I heard about all of these these trips, and especially to him walking on the moon. So here's my question is, why do you think he wanted to go to the moon in the first place? 
There's a broad answer, and then there's a speculating narrow answer. Okay. I think, I think Dane, the broad answer is that he wants to go to the moon for the same reason that we want to make our lives better, invent things, explore the universe. And by universe, I could just mean our backyard. Um, we're made in the image of God. And I think that's part of what it is to be God-like, is to want to, in a sense, it's creating, but we're not actually making something in this sense. We're exploring what has been created, but it's as if it's new to us. It's as if we're, we're trying to get in touch with the God that we've been separated from, um, trying to find more. So in a broad sense, I'd say that's why Neil goes to the moon. Um, there's something within humanity that wants to get in touch with the God, whatever it is to them that is there. Um, but in a narrower sense, um, it almost seems that the moon becomes a symbol for the daughter he lost, Karen. Okay, that's interesting. L- let's talk a little bit about that. Tell me more about what happened with his daughter and, and how he how he lost her. Yeah, so we we don't we don't hear verbally a lot in the opening minutes of the film, but we see that she's undergoing some kind of treatments, and it's it's a big deal. Um, he's adoring his daughter. There's a scene of him playing with her hair, which comes up over and over throughout the film. And he's keeping tedious notes, a journal. We just see him keeping a, a, a log of sorts about what they've done to help his daughter and what hasn't worked. And um, next thing, if I remember right, the next thing we know is she's, we see the casket being lowered, which your mention about his attention to sound, you hear the lowering of the casket before you see it. And uh, I, 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 yeah, I really appreciated some of those little details that... Damien brings in there. Yeah, there's just a lot of a lot of details in this movie that almost warrants going back and watching it again. But I want to I want to talk about his daughter because it's a very prominent theme from the beginning. And and I say become uh, from the beginning because right after he lands that jet in that first scene, which is a pretty long scene, really loud and and tense and when he gets out there's an interesting comment from one of yes. the the I think the pilots or one of the officers who says he's a good engineer but he's distracted. Yes, yes. And that almost seems to be this thread all the way through this movie in which he's very good, very obviously um competent in what he does, but he is distracted throughout the film. And I think a lot of the time he's distracted because of this grief that he has Mm -hmm. suffered through the loss of his daughter. But then the grief doesn't stop there. As as you remember, people that he is close to continue to to die. There's there's one scene in which three of his close friends, uh, who we kind of get to know as, as viewers, they end up dying in a mission. And, and it seems like each loss that happens to him just piles on more, more burdens that he is distracted by and trying to sift through. Yeah, he becomes more and more devoted to his missions and more and more distanced from his wife. <laughs> Ironically, yeah, the moon feels closer to him than his wife does. And I think that... That is an interesting point that really, I think, supports kind of what you were saying is him going to the moon symbolizes something 
important to him. So Neil going to the moon ends up becoming this symbol for him trying to work past something or or attain something that is much more than simply walking on the the moon dust <laughs> and and jumping around it was much much yeah. more um motivated him than than simply that i want to ask this question which characters do you think the filmmaker portrays as foolish and which ones do you think he portrays as wise it doesn't seem as clear cut as some films to me no you're right so one of the things we could say is um, our director, Damien Chazelle, yeah, just is to it. in a heap almost trying to say NASA is is the foolish character. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, just to kind of maybe back up what you what you what you said is that there's a very interesting comment that or dialogue that takes place between Deke and Neil's wife, and it's a real tense but pretty revealing comment and this is what basically takes place deke says jan you have to trust us we have this under control and she quickly responds no you don't you're like just a bunch of boys playing around yeah and i think that ends up becoming part of the overarching message of this film or at least how how neil felt and perhaps this is why some critics have thought this film is anti-American. Because, like you said, the filmmaker is, at least from kind of Neil's perspective, which then becomes our perspective, because we're watching the film through him, right. that NASA is portrayed as kind of bumbling around, doing their, their best, I guess, trying to get men to the moon. Yeah, well, and when Neil's at the White House... Um, some of the people are questioning, is this a good use of taxpayers' money? And that, that seems, you see images of protesters um, asking NASA to stop going to the moon. And, and yeah, you hear this recurring doubt of why do we need to go to the moon? What, what's the point of it? Yeah. So, okay, so that's helpful now. So we kind of we, we see that, that the foolish one is, is NASA. Who do you think is portrayed as, as wise? Still, I think there's the whole dichotomy is a challenging one in this movie, which is perhaps why it's so fun. Yeah. But in, in I, I saw in moments Janet, Neil's wife, comes in with a level head. Um, especially, man, real gut-wrenching was the night Neil is going to take off to go to the moon. He can't even say goodbye to his boys. And... Um, I guess typical of Chazelle's films, or at least his last one. In this one, there's there's I, <laughs> there's the couple's fight that you were just waiting for, and there it is. And she just tells him like it is, and that was, I think that was some the best piece of wisdom in the whole film. Yeah, that was such a powerful scene. And I, I were, you, were you referring to La La Land? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, and I remember my dad coming home and and watching La La Land and saying, Dane, there's this very powerful scene in which the dialogue is expertly written. It's real quick pace. And then, yeah, it just, it kind of super tense and La La Land. That's kind of where the story turns downward. It kind of Mm. starts disintegrating there in this film. That's not the case, but it has all the marks that this is going to be a terrible turning point. 
and that Neil is going to just put this wall between, you know, his children. So just for the, the viewers, basically, he's about to leave to go on the mission, and he's very distracted, and yes. he's obviously... He's obviously trying to just get to to the next step so that he can, whatever, just resolve what is going on within him or mask whatever he's, the pain that he's feeling. He's, he's trying to work through so many loved ones' deaths. Yes. And he's just, get me to the moon. And his wife says, you have to speak to the boys because you may not come back. And so... We talked about Damien's great use of sound and music. One important element of that is silence. And there's lots of silence in this scene at a kitchen uh, table where he is trying to communicate. He wasn't a very good communicator, as we find, or it was just very difficult for him. A lot of in his head. A typical, stereotypical engineer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And... So just a very challenging time trying to tell his boys that he, A, loves them and that, B, he might not come back. But what's interesting, Brandon, is that I listened to an interview, and I'll tell you a little bit more about it, between his son, Mark Armstrong. And the interviewer asked him, did that really take place? And he said yes, because he and his sibling was the one who fed that dialogue basically to Damien so that they could get a really accurate picture. So I found that fascinating that it was, that really took place and it just really gives a, a better glimpse into, into Neil. And so I think I'm, I'm saying all this because I think you're right that, that Jan, his wife seems to almost be portrayed as the most level-headed of everyone in the film. She seems to have this perspective that she's kind of keeping everything together. Absolutely. Right. And we probably all have those people in our lives who we, in very difficult situations, we know they're just trying to keep things together by not falling apart. And so, you know, this is not a, have you seen the movie Apollo 13? Mm -hmm. Okay. I love Apollo 13, and I really liked this movie, but they are very different. In, in many respects, you know that term hagiography, where it's like a, a biography, but I think that's the right term. But they kind of like overlook all of their faults mm. and kind of make it all nice and polishy and like, you know, Martin Luther was the kindest, sweetest man who banged on the Wittenberg door, right? And no, no, thank you. That's not correct. Um, I think that we see a much grittier perspective of this astronaut than we did in Apollo 13. Mm. And I think we can appreciate both for different reasons, but there's many respects in which even though we're viewing this film through Neil's eyes, I go, man, you're making mistakes left and right and left and right. Yeah. But I, but the same respect i think damien's trying to put us in the shoes and go this is what it feels like to be weighed down with these mm-hmm. momentous circumstances and this is how he handled it but I, I but i think in many respects i'm not an engineer so i probably would have handled it much differently but i can kind of see based on his personality what drove him to to kind of shut himself off and 
and just be so singular focused on on getting to the moon, even though his family was falling apart and his and his wife um, was getting there was this great distance between them, and it got worse and worse throughout the film. Yeah, I um, I love the scene when he's at the White House and he gets the call that his three colleagues have burned in the launch failure. Um, and the, he, and when he hangs up the phone, the, the camera cuts to his hand, which has broken the glass and there's some blood and it just said a lot, just, um, it kind of the numbing in a way, didn't even realize he did that until he looked down and it shows you just how much he was carrying. And so just that symbol too, like things are breaking. Yeah. And, and just the human, the human being can, can only carry, carry so much. So let's. Let's let's try and address this this criticism about this film being anti-American. So, from have you heard that criticism? You know, I, I didn't look into okay. much going into the film. In fact, I only connected that as Damien Chazelle. Yes. After the film, so that's like, oh, no wonder I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the thing I kind of keep hearing, and I tried not to do a lot of research because I wanted this discussion to be more focused on just kind of what we saw, what we heard, what we felt. But kind of the one thing that I did pick up a lot was that the flag sequence, when Mm. Neil finally gets to the moon, we don't see him put the flag in. We, that's kind of like an, in, in some sense, it's kind of like an afterthought Mm. because he goes to the moon, it seems like, from the film, um, he walks, he, he does all the things that we've seen in the footage, and then he takes his daughter's bracelet and throws it into a crater. So the fact that Damien has placed NASA as kind of the fool, and even Neil as kind of this not a, looks like to be not a great husband and distant father and w- wasn't running around, you know, chanting, go United States. Or do you feel like this film was anti-American? I wouldn't put it in those terms, but I can see where people are coming from and, and the lack of the flag. In fact, you don't see the flag. I didn't see the flag at all. Oh, really? On the moon. Was, was it, it there? Yeah, it was a real quick, okay. real quick Almost shot. just for historical it sake. Was, yeah, it was like a pan. Boom. The okay. flag was already there. Yeah, it was a glaring omission, undoubtedly. There, there was no, I mean, you know, the drama of putting the foot down and all that, but nothing with the flag. And everyone's waiting for it. They know that that's one of the landmarks. The bracelet replaced the flag, which is where one suspects that this is what it's been all about, is, you know, he's doing this to fill this hole from his daughter, uh, the moon's replaced his daughter. But but back to your question, um, anti-American. So I could see where people are coming from. Uh, I saw it more along the lines of a criticism or a question about, do we need to explore space? Is this a good use of human lives and financial resources? Yeah. Yeah. And Brian Gadawa, who's on our advisory board, wrote a great book called Hollywood Worldviews. And one of the things that he states in that is that you always need to watch a movie in the context of when it was made. Mm. And so that made me kind of think <laughs> through, like right now, yep. we could probably see how 
it could fit in with with some angst and division that our nation feels with our president and with all the different things that are going on right now. But I don't know if you you knew this, but I found out that this film is actually based off of a book that was written in 2012. So at that time, Trump wasn't president yet. Mm. And um, I mean, President Obama would have been would have been leading and we didn't have a lot of these problems that we do now. But I just do know that since then, right, it's the angst and division, it seems like, have has really ratcheted up since President Trump has has been at the White House. Hmm. Interesting perspective, because that's not where I was going. Okay. Where were you going? The what's the context of the film? My question is do we need to go to Mars? Is is the next stage of space exploration necessary? Um, well, frankly, that was my wife sitting next to me who kept asking that. Why did we go to the moon? Why are we trying to go to Mars? Do you think we should go to Mars? And I'm sitting there going, I'm trying to watch the moon. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I haven't really thought about it that deeply yet. <laughs> and now I have. I have actually. This movie's jogged my thought process on what is it worth it? Do we need to? And why are we? So Mars has replaced the moon. That's the way I was looking at it. Do you think, is it maybe an issue of why are we going out of our, <laughs> of our, um, what did you say? Our atmosphere. Why would, why are we going outside of our atmosphere when we've got enough problems? Yeah. Enough things to conquer here. Yeah. So I, I can see, um, the Christian worldview dueling here on the one hand, does God delight in our exploration and marveling of his universe? And then on the other hand, how are we loving our neighbor if we are throwing billions at going to a planet that doesn't have life on it? And even to maybe take that a step further, why are we going out to the moon or to the Mars when our families are falling apart and we're distant Mm. from our wife? We've got enough problems to deal with here. So I think this brings us back to an important character question, and I'm going to ask it and then I'm going to answer it. So why did Neil want to go to the moon? And he actually, Damien sets us up so we know exactly why. So in a very interesting sequence in which he is being interviewed, it's in the astronaut selection process for the Project Gemini. A Deke asks him this question right off the bat. Why do you think space flight is important? And he, he says a couple of things. He begins like this, but towards the end of this quote, it gets really important. I had a few opportunities in the X-15 to observe the atmosphere. It was so thin. So he's referring, I think, back to the very first scene. Yeah. Okay, so the atmosphere is so thin, such a small part of the Earth that you could barely see it at all. And when you're down here in the crowd and you look up, It looks pretty big, and you don't think about it too much. But when you get a different vantage point, it changes your perspective. I don't know what space exploration will uncover, but I don't think it'll be exploration just for the sake of exploration. I think it'll be more the fact that it allows us to see things that maybe we should have seen a long time ago, but just haven't been able to until now. Mm. 
So how would you interpret that in light of this film, or, or in his character at least? Maybe we can begin there. What do you think that, that means for Neil? Did you say you were going to answer? Oh, that was your answer to the question. Oh, that was my answer, okay. yes. So then my turn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, I, I think that when you read that, I, I immediately filtered that through the loss of his daughter, and he starts trying to gain another perspective on that great grief. There's another thing he says later in the film. I think it was at the White House when someone criticized what's the point of moon exploration. And he and he mentioned, well, we've only been flying for 60 years. And he pointed out how at the moment that may not have seemed like a big deal, but look where it's taking us now. And we're still in the infancy of understanding this. And so we may be questioning the moon, but this is in its infancy. Where will it take us in 100 years from now? I mean, it almost begs the question of... Why do science? I, a great question. Yeah. Actually, see, I was seeing uh, throughout this, and actually this was, this was the quick answer to my wife. And she said, why are we going to the moon and Mars? I said, because science is a religion. Mm. And we're, we're giving our devotion to the idea of progress and exploration. Sometimes good, and sometimes maybe we're getting too carried away. And obviously science can be a, a legitimate element of the Christian worldview. I mean, so many of our great discoveries and prog- progresses in medicine and and such i think were based on the christian worldview or in other words these men and women had a perspective of a universe ruled by god making the universe orderly so that science could work so that mm. they could test and test over and over again get the same results but what's interesting is you mentioned that science can become a religion. I think science can become have its rightful place within the Christian religion. Absolutely. But then it also can become its own religion, especially when then it's now disconnected from the God of the universe. So one of the things that I noticed is that there's very little religious imagery in this film. So there's only... You you correct me, but I only mentioned I only saw two places. The first one was the cross on Karen's casket. Casket. The second one was after he had come back from his mission. He was in isolation. Do you remember that? I do remember this. And there was a tract, like a paper tract. Is this what you're thinking mm-hmm. of? And the tract said. In the beginning, God, dot, dot, dot. And if I recall correctly, it was a brief second. The camera lingered on it. Yes. Yes. Why do you think it... Why? I, I asked the same thing when I saw <laughs> it, and I, I was absorbed with the rest of the movie and forgot to answer. So I'm going to just... I'm going to take a stab. I think that this film is making a statement about Neil making a statement also, though, about us as a human species. That we are, we feel out of place as a human species. And we are trying to, we're trying to find meaning for what our lives are all about. And we have various different things that distract us and So I think a great way to say it is that I think humanity feels lost. And humanity, too, is reaching for a moon. And this moon is what we think will finally give us the answers to to what we are 
to what we're longing for. And I think for Neil, he was completely out of control. Even though he was, he looked very controlled on the outside. I mean, he's an engineer. Everything is in right in order. But inside, he chaos is going on. And I think that is very interesting from the beginning of the film is that we think, oh, he's just flying out of the atmosphere. No, what we see is that things are barely under his control. And the the plane, the jet sounds like it's about to fall apart. Mm-hmm. I think that ends up becoming a symbol not only for Neil, is that he is, because of the grief, he has now been paralyzed with isolation. He feels isolated from his wife. He feels isolated from um, his his family. But even bigger, I think he feels isolated with from the world around him. I mean, he has no, he has very little purpose, very little direction. And his, his last shot is to go to the moon. And so I think his, his attempt to go to the moon is to somehow get back the perspective that he talked about when he was talking with Deke about why go to space travel. So he's trying to get this perspective back so that then he can regain control so that he can then have meaning and and understand what is going on. And I think that that becomes then a big symbol for humanity right now. I I think maybe because of whatever the political situation, I would say it's a spiritual situation. But I think what I am noticing is that our culture feels isolated, feels angst, anxiety, and we're, we're moving quickly. We're doing a lot of things but we're doing it so that we hope sometime we could find that perspective that will then allow us to escape this spiraling chaos that we feel. Hmm. That That's so well put. I, I wonder if that fits with... Do you think he felt guilty for not being able to control his daughter's illness? Yeah, I do. And I think he probably felt guilty for not being able to control then all the the friends who mm-hmm. ended up ended up dying. And and there was an interesting quote which he which he says Do you remember that scene? This is a it was kind of a funny scene. I t- I drew a picture of him for him trying to drive that the lunar vehicle and it's just not working. And then he ends up before it crashes, he ends up shooting out the the parachute. Do you remember that scene? Mm-hmm. And and then he's dragged by he's he's dragged <laughs> by that parachute and he's all bruised. And I felt like that was a symbol for what he was feeling inside the whole time. He's just out mm. of control, being dragged. And then Deke says, "Hey, you know, we're gonna figure it out once we get there. It'll work fine." And then he says, "We need to fail." This is Neil. We need to fail down here so we don't fail up there. So. He's desperately trying to figure things out down here so that when they get there, it will bring it together. I love that. That's a, that's a really good metaphor there, the parachute dragging him. I, I had no idea, though, that that's what that picture, that that picture you showed me was that. It, oh, <laughs> you mean my stick I figure with that? I couldn't tell that was a human <laughs> being strangled by a parachute until he explained that, but I'm glad we got that I want to tell my art teacher on you. I wasn't sure if it was Gemini... You know, Operation Gemini trying to connect with the, <laughs> the the space part or what. 
So I want to add a, a little bit more imagery that I found interesting too. In, in storytelling, we learn the power of the first scene and the last scene. And if you look at them together, they often tell us a lot. So you remember the first scene, it's terrifying. He is in the middle of, of he, he, he's in the middle of his plane, in the middle of a frightening atmosphere, trying to get out into space, and it's cold, and he doesn't speak at all throughout it. The last scene. Do you remember? Do you remember that last scene? It's kind of hard to forget it. <laughs> it's, it's reasons why I love this director. Yeah, and you can elaborate on it. But the last scene, he is in isolation, and his wife comes to visit him. And we already know that there's tension. But we hoped that once he got to the moon and he returns, they would be all happy, celebrating, like in Apollo 13. Especially as he has visions of his family while he's on the moon. Right? Yes. And instead, the director brings our eyes to this big glass separator. And they hardly talk at all. And it becomes this, this symbol of, once again, here he is, even after he's gone to the moon... He is still terrified, isolated, cold, but now it looks like it's even gotten worse. Mm. Which then the movie ends. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so you're left once again going, what, what do I do with this? <laughs> Very different ending from Apollo 13 or a lot of the other space movies. Yeah. Well, it just gets down to the messiness of human life, which I really appreciate in doses, films like that. Yeah, that was that was a just that was a scene that just you realized everything in that scene was intentional. You know, it's just one of those where just even though nothing is said, the movements are agonizingly slow, you feel as awkward as it happening to you in real life, right? But you're still um, totally captivated by what's going on because you know it's saying the silence is speaking way louder than some narration can do. And um, I love how you connected it to the first scene. Didn't mm. didn't connect that in my own head, but just you just knew that this was you knew the ending was coming, even though you're like, wait, this isn't concluding anything. But it's it's the question mark, right? It's it's kind of like the dot dot dot. It's he's making an attempt. As he presses his, he puts his kiss on the glass, and then she re hesitatingly returns it. Um, it's almost like we're left with this, he seems to have been changed now that he's been to the moon, and it's going to be a slow journey back, but until then, there's still something between them. That's really good. And then in between them is the NASA sign. I don't know if you remember that. Did not notice so that. So he, yeah, totally position that. But let me ask you this. Do you think that the filmmakers want us to see Neil as having grasped what he was looking for on the moon? Was he able to make peace? Well, that's that's where I think the ending is powerful because I don't I didn't have a clear answer to that. To me it said yes, but it's going to be and this is what I love about the film. It's realistic. It says, yes, but there are still barriers to cross, mm. and it will take time. That's good. I didn't see it that way. I, I saw it as almost like just going through the motions. Hmm. Them, put it, them kissing, you know, th 
kissing their hands and putting on the glass. But I can see from where you're coming, and uh, I can see that being a valid interpretation as well. Do you think mm-hmm. this movie is whole, broken, or bent? So just for our, our listeners, a whole story is when good and evil are distinct and good wins. Broken story is when good and evil are distinct, but evil ends up winning, or or the conflict ends up not being resolved. And then bent is when we really don't know what is good and evil, and then either one could win. So what do you think about this one? Hmm. Despite my interpretation versus your interpretation of the end, I think it's broken, because we don't see it resolve. And we don't know, we have no proof that it does. That's if, of course, we see the story is about Neil's uh, everything he carries through his missions and coming back. If the movie is about trying to land on the moon, then we have a whole story, right? They do it. Yeah. But I, I think that the story's big. The moon is just a part to the larger conflict. And then so is the flag, America. I mean, I mean, it, yeah. In, in many respects, it it's much more. This is a story about Neil and what he is trying to overcome. Well, and in defense to our director, I think that the absence of the American symbols was meant to highlight that for Neil, this was not a trip for America or patriotism. This was his trip. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. And that's one of the reasons why it becomes more painful is because like in Apollo 13, it's personal, but it's... This is just much more personal. Like he is going to the to the moon to overcome something that he just can't overcome. I listened to an interview with Neil Armstrong's son. I want you to just guess. What do you think Neil what do you think Neil's son thought about this movie? So here here's a couple options. Um boy, you really mischaracterized my father or eh, some here, some there. It was okay, or yeah, it did a good job. I really liked it. If it's my dad, I think I would say, I think I would appreciate humanizing an icon. And though I may not find all the parts glamorous, and I might wish they were covered up, I think I still feel relief that my dad's real story, that my dad's whole life has been portrayed. He was more than the man on the moon. That's a, yeah. Boy, you nailed it. Because when this woman asked Mark Armstrong what he thought of the movie, he said, I loved it. And, And I think that's really helpful because I think what this movie does is it puts his life in a broader context. And just like mm-hmm. you said, his life was more than just going to the moon. I had no idea that he was trying to grieve the loss of his daughter. And I had no idea he was trying to um, to move past the loss of, of his close friends. And then, and then one of his best friends ends up dying as well. And so the film really put his life into a, a broader context. And I think because the film did that, it helped... It helped me see this film as a symbol for what our culture is is going through. I think our culture feels lost and isolated and cold, and I think a lot of our a lot of our efforts end up where we're still we're still looking at we're still looking through a glass hmm. separated from what we want, and so maybe we have a little hope, like like you said in the film that we we have a lot to work through. But you know, I I think 
I think there's a big difference in space exploration, excuse me, space exploration motivated by a desire to understand God's majestic universe and to understand ourselves better than pursuing pursuing science because we feel desperately lost and isolated and we're looking for meaning. I I think that we're going to end up just, we'll be farther. But like Lewis says, progress, if you're not moving towards Mm. the point that you're trying to go to, it's not progress. So in many respects, this movie left me feeling very sad even though I loved the movie, it, it was very weighty on me. And because I, too, agree it was a broken film, that's one of the reasons why I thought it was so powerful. Because even if I felt like this is a, a film that is um, about a, you know, a, a non-Christian person trying to pursue meaning without God, I found it very illuminating to to what a non-Christian is, is going through. And so all I can think of then is just the gospel and how it just brings, it just brings the context to man's desire to explore and progress that kind of a secular humanism can't do. Do you think Neil could have accomplished what he did and still maintained good family relations? I don't know. I mean... When I looked at that scene at the kitchen table, it was pretty foreign for me just because of how I'm made up. I'd be like crying, oh, my my children, you know, and then I'm an over communicator. Mm. And so I'm trying to put myself into the head of someone who's an engineer and who has, I, so I don't know. I, in, in many respects, I don't fault him. I think he was doing his best. I think the Neil Armstrong portrayed in this film, and I don't know what he, I don't know if he was a Christian or what, but the Neil Armstrong in the film desperately needed Christ as an anchor, and so that I think that he still would have been able to accomplish all the things, but he wouldn't have returned so isolated and lost because I think this is an existential mission for him. And and we know that as Christians, we still face grief. We still encounter evil. But there's this, it, we have a compass that makes sense of why. And that's the question that I think he was trying to answer desperately. And I don't think he, he ends up answering it. And maybe that's what Damien is, is trying to say as well, is that uh, we need to start asking the right questions, even if I don't have all the answers. And I appreciate that honesty because then, you know, I can say, I know the, I know it's difficult and those are great questions and there's a great bridge then to, to Christ as the answer. Almost like satisfaction, fulfillment. The answer is nearer than we think. We don't have to aim for the moon and for the Christian Christ is nearer than we think. He's in our breath. He's here with us. Yeah. It's like, we exert so much energy trying to find what we're looking for when Christ mm-hmm. is not far. Would you recommend this to, to, to kids, to teenagers, to adults? Yeah, I don't think there's 
a Trojan horse to worry about here. In fact, it's a great, I think it's a great cautionary tale and there's nothing that made me want to emulate the mistakes. So I would rate it as very beneficial. And so with that, we are going to wrap up this episode. I really enjoyed this discussion with you today, Brandon. And this was a a fascinating movie that offered lots of great questions to to ask and consider. And I don't have them all answered, but I'm gonna. Th- I think I'm gonna watch the film again because uh, this really made an impact on me. Well, this closes our time for the Stage and Story podcast. I'm Dane Bundy, your host. Thank you so much for listening today, and just want to encourage you to check out our website, stageandstory.org, for more resources on cultivating the Christian imagination. Now, may Christ be the center of all our thinking and imagining. See you next time. 